Up Close with Carlos Say, celebrating art, entertainment and the human spirit. Uh, welcome to another episode of Up Close with Carlos Sang. My next guest is currently preparing to play Clementine Churchill in the new Jack Vaughan play, When Winston Went to War with the Wireless. She is best known for playing roles like Jackie Mitchell in Grantchester and Jemima in Holby City. Uh, it is a huge privilege to be able to welcome the very lovely Laura Rogers to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Hi. Uh, nice to see you. Lovely to see you as well. Um, yeah, so you previously worked with Katie Rudd on The Ocean at the End of the Lane. Um, how has it been working together again on this new show? Oh, it's great. I mean, Katie's such a lovely person to have in the room. She's really chilled. She's really bright. She's really on it. Uh, she makes it fun. We always start with like a game of volleyball before um, we, the rehearsals actually uh, actually start. And, and she's always very up for that she's quite competitive when it comes to ball games um but she knows her stuff and you do feel very confident in that you're being led by a good captain when katie's in the room absolutely um it's interesting as well you know i'm um, reading about the show um the 1926 general strike i think is something that not a lot of people are really aware about um well when you were reading about this time in british history you know what was your reaction to this dispute that you know churchill and john reef had well to be honest with you i didn't know much about it at all until i read the play and even then i didn't it's not it doesn't go into huge detail about the strike in the play. So we've had experts come in and talk to us about the BBC at that time, about the general strike. And what really shocked me was that one expert told us that in Britain at that time, one in 10 men in the UK was a minor. If you think about how many people that affects and obviously the families of those minors and I just feel like obviously now at the moment we have a lot of strikes going on in different industries and how some people are frustrated about it because it means that they can't get their trains, but other people are all all for it and support the strikers. But back then, all these industries went on strike as well mm. to su in support of the miners. And you think that must have been incredible really because the whole of london and other parts of the country because it was happening miners in in ireland scotland all over the place in solidarity everybody like down tools um and so everything came to a standstill people mm -hmm. couldn't get to work there were people didn't have staff you know and you just think that that would be incredible it's a bit like living through COVID times when we were in lockdown. I mean, obviously it wasn't a disease, but the fact that everything everything stops and goes on pause, you don't really know the knock-on effect that that's going to have. And we've never had anything like the general strike since. Who knows if we ever will. Um, yeah, so fascinating. Yeah, it was a really interesting time. Um, yeah, yeah, I also feel like a lot of people don't know very much about Clementine Churchill, apart from the fact that she married Winston. Um, how much did you know about Clementine as well? And what drew you to her as a character? 
Well, again, I didn't really know very much at all. I didn't know much about this period in history. Uh, it was something that I don't think I was taught at school. We didn't, we sort of skipped over this time. I knew more about Winston Churchill, having done a play called Pressure, which is, uh, again, set in World War II. And I played a real life woman called Kay Summersby, who was Eisenhower's sort of chauffeur, right-hand woman. And they talked a lot about Winston and, and they were very, very fond of Winston and Kay Summersby had a good relationship with Winston Churchill. So I, I dipped my toes in to sort of find out a bit more about Winston Churchill when I was researching that play. But I didn't really know anything about Clemmy. And Clemmy is an incredible woman. Since then, I've been able to listen to some excerpts of her on, on YouTube. And... I think she was like known as the Iron Lady because she really, really was like the backbone to Winston. And I think the facade he puts on, there was a much sort of more vulnerable side to him, which I'm sure Clemmy was aware of. And they were absolutely devoted to each other. But I don't think he could have made the decisions that he made without her support, really. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think she was a very um, overlooked woman in history. Um, what mm -hmm. has it been like, you know, you know, playing opposite Adrian Scarborough's church you know, and developing that chemistry that this power couple had? Oh, he's just so wonderful. I'd never met Adrian before, but obviously I'd seen him in lots of things. And I know people that know him and everybody has such lovely things to say about him. He's very good fun. He's very friendly and he's up for anything, really. And he just jumps in. And we did have a voice session, the two of us, the other day, just where we were having to like sort of be back to back and pushing up against each other every time we said our lines to sort of see where the argument was. And he makes it very, very easy for me. I didn't feel nervous in his, in his company. So, which means that you just feel like he, he he's very relaxed and treats everybody the same. And so it just means you can get on with the work and, you know, trying to find the relationship. The scenes between them aren't very long. They aren't very big, but they have to make an impact. With this play, there are quite a lot of short, snappy scenes that make an impact. A bit like at one point we were told to watch... West Wing episodes of West Wing because they want that idea of people like walking through corridors having these making these big decisions whilst they're walking through corridors and and that sort of thing um so in our scenes you have to kind of show the tenderness in their relationship through only a couple of pages of text and when I knew Adrian was playing that role I was very excited very excited to work with him and meet him yeah, it sounds like a really exciting dynamic. Um, do you feel any particular pressure as well, you know, playing a real-life person? Um, well, I've done that before. And I think the thing is, nobody is expecting me to do a sort of an imitation, 100% imitation. Uh, a lot of the people in the show are real-life characters. And nobody is is being expected to do a perfect imitation of them. It's just finding the essence of that character. Um, I have, as I said, looked at a couple of YouTube clips of um, Clemmy 
talking, but the ones that I found, she would have been older than the version that I'm playing of her. Um, and we've got this wonderful dialect coach called Penny Dyer, who's been helping us all with all of the various accents and getting that, you know, because the RP of the time is, is very clipped and quite different to how we speak today. Mm. It's quite affected. And it's it's really important to get the periods right. So we're, we're aiming on getting the period right. And she was telling me, Penny was telling me, um, to maybe look at some videos and films and clips of Margaret Lockwood talking, uh, because that sort of roundness of sound and the confidence that she has when she speaks and almost, because Clemmie was aristocratic. And so it's about being very open. So I'm, I'm trying to just concentrate on that rather than doing an exact replica. And um, hopefully, the essence of of the character will come across. Yeah, definitely. Um, as you started preparing to play Clemmy as well, you know, I was really curious to gather your thoughts on Akshata Murti, you know, Rishi Sunak's wife as well, and how they compare. Gosh, um, <laughs> I'm not really sure I know how to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, what what do you think? Um, I feel like they're both women who seem to be, you know, on the sidelines as well. But then, you know, I feel like the press likes to highlight the bad bits about their characters. You know, I feel yeah. like with Clemmy, they like to say that, you know, she was the mastermind behind Churchill's more controversial decisions. And on Akshat and Murti, it's very much about her non-dom status and, you know, her private family wealth mm. rather than, you know, some of her other good bits. Well, exactly. But I think that's the case with with everybody and particularly women in any kind of powerful position, you know, women are, are, are thought of as a diva or manipulative or ambitious. And all these things are, are like negative connotations, like the iron lady, you know, Clevy, like she was a rod of steel and the backbones Churchill. And all of these are, are meant to sound, to have negative connotations. And again, as you said about Rishi Sunak's wife, yes, all they talk, all I've really heard people talk about is how much money she has, how much wealth her family have. And I think it's a shame, really, because women I talk to about Clemmy Churchill always like she was so magnificent. She was such a wonderful woman. She was formidable. She was attractive. She was witty. She was bright. She was intelligent. And I think that's the difference. I mean, also back in 1926, um, which is the era that our show is set in, that again would have been seen as incredibly negative. You wouldn't have thought that Winston's wife would have been the stronger person because he was, well, not the prime minister at this point in our play, but the chancellor of the exchequer. And I think even today, yeah, a strong woman is seen as a negative thing, whereas a strong man is seen as a positive thing. So hopefully times will change in that respect. I mean, maybe we're getting there slowly, but yeah, certainly she's painted in a positive light in our show. Yeah, that's definitely really good to hear. Um, I mean, as you say, you know, I feel like Winston Churchill, you know, he's very much romanticised in British culture and British history. Mm. Um, you know, I was curious, you know, are there any sort of, you know, politicians today who sort of, you know, also fulfil that hero archetype too? Um, at the moment, I would have to say, I don't really think there's anyone in the cabinet that you can liken to him. I don't feel... 
like anyone has much faith in our government at the moment. And I know everybody would like that to change. Um, I can't really liken him to anyone at the moment of in this era. Mm. Certainly not Boris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, definitely. Um, yeah, I wanted to turn our attention to Jack Thorne as well, you know, who seems to be mm. everywhere at the moment. You know, Motive in the Queue is doing very well at the National, mm. uh, Best Interest is coming to the BBC. What about Jack Thorne's writing stood out to you as an actor? Well, I mean, he's had huge success on both screen and stage. As you say, Motive in the Queue has had brilliant reviews. I know people that have seen it and said it's wonderful. His writing is so clever. The language he uses, when you really start to analyse it, when you're given his script, there's like words he repeats and there's a lot of onomatopoeia. And this play we've talked about, and on the first day, Katie, the director, said, it's really a play about sound. It's all about the voices. And he uses quite different sentence structure sometimes. So it does, and it, and it can trip you up because it doesn't necessarily trip off the tongue when you're reading it. You want to change the words around because that's how you have imagined them to be. Then when you go back to the script, you realize, oh no, that's not what he's written. He's written it in a different order. And you need to honor that because he does it for a reason. Mm. And I think maybe that is for the rhythm. There's a pace and a color to his writing. Uh, there's a drama to his writing. It's almost like television. Mm -hmm. And he's so inventive. Like he's written in Foley artists into this play. The Foley artists, for anyone that doesn't know, it was like back in radio. And even now today, you'll have people who provide all the sound effects. So if there's somebody walking down the street, they'll be walking on a gravel path. And if somebody's opening a door, they'll be like opening a little door and closing the door. So, and we have all that on stage as well, but Jack has written that in so that you can really get the sense that it's radio, the world we're living in is radio. And the only way people found out about what was going on in, in the world at this point was through radio, because obviously there weren't any televisions at this time. So I was really excited. And I think, you know, you get a Jack Thorne, a new Jack Thorne play, everybody wants to be in that. And hopefully everybody wants to come and see that too. And I was really interested and excited to meet him. And he's been in a lot to rehearsals, which has been great because he's got some brilliant stories He's so knowledgeable, he's so bright, he's funny, he likes to giggle. He's just a great guy. Mm. He definitely lives up and exceeds your expectations. Yeah, it definitely sounds super exciting. I'm definitely really looking forward to seeing the show. I mean, what was your first you know, initial reaction to reading his script? You know, did it read you know, particularly funny or dramatic? You know, what was your reaction to it? Well, I was lucky because we did a table read of it for two days with some of the cast. And so it it had been something that I'd like found out about the night before and then went in and did it. So I didn't have much time to really focus on reading the script before going in. In a way, I think that was good because it so relies on listening to it all being 
listening to it all rather than reading it off off the page because you can you need to hear everybody's different voices i think um but it's got something for ev everyone it it's funny it's moving all the characters are painted brilliantly the central character john reith which stephen campbell moore is playing i knew absolutely nothing about he was the person that founded the bbc and he was a very difficult person a tricky person but quite a brilliant person i mean he'd been an engineer he knew nothing about broadcasting or radio and just made it up but he did it he achieved it he had a vision had a dream had the confidence to go for it and did it with such a small team which expanded over the years and jack's written him brilliantly because you see his personal struggles you see the relationship with his wife um played brilliantly by mariam hack i have to say and you see how he is as a you know in in the workplace which was a very tenacious man so it was very interesting just to delve into this part of history that i knew nothing about and i think there is something for everybody there's aspects of thriller to it the scenes are, are fast paced and then they've got and then you've got long scenes between churchill and wreath and it's just so clever and it's all about who's going to win which argument when there's always it's always a debate and it's yeah it's exciting it's exciting to listen to and exciting to watch i hope yeah definitely um i i think you know it's so interesting to you know delve back into you know, the foundations of the bbc you know nearly 100 years on and you know you've gotten to you know work at the bbc you know on things like doctor who and eastenders hobby city over your career um mm -hmm. and there's been you know so much controversy you know, around this institution in recent years um what do you see as being the future of the bbc well i th i really hope that we keep the BBC. I think it's really important. It's part of our heritage and it's where it all began. It would be so sad in my lifetime or for the generations to come for us to lose it. So I hope long may it continue. Um, I think it still does brilliant television and it would be a real loss, I think, if we didn't have it anymore. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think it's definitely really worrying, you know, the clampdown on the BBC and also on arts institutions as well. Um, you know, obviously we recently saw um, Arts Council England funding, um, you know, being taken away for the Donmar mm -hmm. Warehouse and for other theatres as well. Um, it, we're also coming to the end of Michael Longhurst's tenure at the Donmar as well. Uh, what mm -hmm. do you see as being the future for the Donmar Warehouse too? Well, I think the thing is, the Donmar are brilliant at raising money they do loads of events they have fantastic sponsors really loyal people who generously donate and there are people working tire tirelessly to raise money for the theater mike's been brilliant i mean i i don't know him very well i've only known him on this job but he's a lovely person to have around the building i know that the team of people that work for him really admire him. So who knows who the next person will be who takes over the role, but I think that the Donmar is such a special place. It's an institution. It's so 
well loved and well thought of and respected that whoever comes in I'm sure just take that bat on and run with it I have every faith that it'll just keep thriving um and hopefully it will keep getting that support from the really generous companies and individuals out there because it would be a shame if it had to close down through lack of funding like all these beautiful theatres that we're seeing that are really really struggling particularly after lockdown and now losing the arts funding it's just really really sad to see it Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, the Don Mar is definitely one of my favourite theatres. I love going there. I've got so many happy memories of seeing shows there. And it's you know got this amazing reputation, as you say, as being this top producing house. You know, it's just like this small, tiny little intimate venue, but has you know such an epic repertoire of shows. Uh, what do you think you know makes the Don Mar so special? I think the intimacy when you're in the theatre, you're almost in touching distance of the actors. I mean, this is the first time I performed on uh, the Donmar stage, but we've been on the stage to do some voice work and it seems like a really actor-friendly space. So it's really comfortable. You can really talk to the audience without having to hugely project. So you have that more personal experience. Everybody that works for the Donmar behind the scenes, of which there's like 50 staff, I think, it feels like a family. They're really warm and they get incredible people. They get great casts. They get brilliant directors. They get amazing quality writing. And so it's just a real premium brand. Mm. So I think when you've got all those ingredients, then you have the recipe for success. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, there's been so much um, incredible theatre um, that's been that's been produced you know, since um, lockdown was lifted, um, and we've been seeing some you know incredible shows making its way um, to the West End and on tour as well. Um, have you seen many shows yourself? And is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to seeing as well? Yeah, I've seen quite a few things. I mean, obviously, I was very fortunate over the last two years almost to be doing back to back theatre myself. So. That means my time to go and see other things is quite limited. But I did see Standing at the Sky's Edge at the National. Um, and I thought that was wonderful. And I'm really pleased to hear that that's transferring. And what am I looking forward to seeing? Oh, yes. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the Casual Fall at Regent's Park because I have a good friend who's just been cast in that. Uh, and another friend who's in the third man at the Many a Chocolate Factory. So I'd like to be able to go and see that too. Um, there's too many things. And I've always got such brilliant, talented friends who are in amazing productions. So there's always a reason to go and watch something. But it's exciting. It's it's brilliant to see how it's come back. And hopefully the audiences are have come back too. Yeah, I mean, you've had such a great career, you know, both on stage and on screen during your career. Um, how much would you say the industry has changed as well during that time? Well, I've been doing this for 23 years now. I think, and I hope, and I, I mean, obviously I'm going to say 
say this, being a woman in my 40s now, I think there still needs to be more work out there for women past the age of 40, because I know of several friends that really struggle to try and find work. I think it's getting better, but I think it needs to go further. I think there needs to be more roles for women. And I think, yeah, but it's it's difficult because I all I know is the the profession as since I've I've been involved in it. And I've been really, really lucky and I've been able to play a whole range of different roles and touch wood, people still employ me. And I'm hoping that will continue. I mean, there's always the worry that the last job that you do is going to be the last job you'll ever do. Um, so you never can rest on your laurels. But I, I think what's probably stayed the same is that actors on the whole in general whoever I've come across there's just such it's it's such you get such a great group of people the camaraderie is always brilliant so you don't think about people's ages because everybody becomes the same age it's different to any other sort of industry I think because you'll have people in their 20s sometimes even younger than that maybe people in their 80s and the whole age spectrum and everyone just gets on Oh, that's another thing that's reminded me. I do want to get to see As You Like It at the RSD with Geraldine James playing Rosalind and my old friend Malcolm Sinclair playing Orlando because it's a cast of, let's say, an older generation. So I think that will be quite special. And the cast is incredible. So I hope I get to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like I've thrown a lot of um, uh, compelling questions at you during this interview, <laughs> and, you've been, and you've been so wonderful. Um, just as a last question, um, what do you hope audiences will take away when they see um, when Winston went to war with the wireless? Well, I hope it's sort of, I hope they just have a good night, really. I mean, there's a lot in it. There's like mute, some music hall sort of performances. There's, as I say, there's Foley, there's a bit of I think the sound aspect is going to be incredible. The performances are brilliant. The cast is so hugely, hugely talented. And it is an ensemble piece. And so we're all like getting stuck in and, and mucking in and, and, and having a real giggle. But it is moving and it's exciting. I just hope they they come away from it feeling that they'd had a really satisfying night at the theatre. And I think it'll be one of those plays which you will be thinking about for days later because there's so much in it that you probably won't be able to take it all in at first and you'll have to let it sort of digest a bit. Absolutely. Um, Laura Rogers, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Carlos.